Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. I want to read a passage of scripture found in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If you do not have a sermon card, you can uh, raise your hand right now. One will be delivered to you. Here we go up front, and you can follow along there. But in Colossians 1, beginning in verse 24, Paul the apostle writes to the church there, and he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory, him we preach, warning every person, every man, and teaching every person, every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. I want to preach a message to you today titled, My Life, His Version. Will you say that with me? My Life, His Version. Let me pray before we move forward. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that that name is the name above every name. I pray today that in that name, captives would be loosed in Jesus' name. I pray that strongholds and lies would be pulled down off minds and souls in Jesus' name. I pray that the great deliverer, Jehovah Nisi, would be revealed, that, Lord, you would set people's feet in a broad place. Lord, I pray that revelation knowledge would abound, that darkness would dissipate and be driven back, that, Holy Spirit, you would reveal Christ's sufficiency and that our consciousness would awake to the reality of his substance and his authority and his sufficiency. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Disperse the bread of life. Disperse the one we all long for, Jesus Christ, the hope of the nations. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. You're my sufficiency. Prepare hearts and minds. May your word run swiftly in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, personally, I find my life verse in his version for me. Now let me explain. Do you know that God has a version? A version of what? That God has a version for life. He has an idea. He has a plan. He has a model. He has a blueprint. He has a way for all things regarding life. And God's version for my life has brought me to my life verse. See, my life verse summarizes the truth that finally caused my desire to live for God to become possible. It's one thing to have a desire to live for God, but it's another thing to find the way to live it out. 
See, I know there's some of you here today, the, the desire's there. That's not the issue. But the issue for you has been, how do I live out the desire I have to glorify God? Like some of you have a desire to go to Disney World. But how to live out that desire you're struggling with. Well, if you're a child of God, born again, or you're seeking God, you have a desire to live for Him. It starts with desire, but desire is not enough. I know a lot of people that desire to be a professional athlete, but desire alone is not enough. Are you with me? See, I wasn't clear about this matter that I'm going to speak about today growing up in the church. I'm thankful to have grown up around God's people. But I wasn't aware of what I'm going to speak of today. Neither when I returned to fellowshipping with the church, the church being God's people, was I clear about this matter either. But God in his mercy, don't you like that? But God. Though it didn't feel like mercy at the time, anybody know about that? He let me hit rock bottom again when I was doing outwardly all the so-called right things, all the so-called church things. But it was after this mercy of God that didn't feel like mercy at the time that I learned to experience what we now refer to and put in the book Divine Design for Discipleship. So understand my life verse summarizes the truth that finally calls my desire to live for God to come about. And being that now, because of the mercy and the goodness of God, I am experientially well-versed in my life verse, it has uniquely been a consistent undergirding of his calling for my life. See, it's not all that I'm called to minister or preach or teach about, but it is definitely seasoned in all I minister. And when we grow in understanding the ways of God, this makes sense because for what impacts us personally is called to flow out of us relationally. What impacts us personally, we are called to see flow out of us corporately. What impacts us personally, we're called to see it flow out of us ministerially. That's all of us. See, we all live, but so few seem to live his version. And I'm jealous for you in a good way today. Jealous in the sense that I don't just want you to live. I want you to live his version. Which makes me ask us today and ask you today, how versed are you in life? How versed are you in life? How versed are you in God's life? In true life? In life found only in God? How well are you versed in his version of how life should be lived? How life should be experienced? How versed are you in his idea and intention for life? When you think about how versed are you and how versed am I regarding true life and God's idea for life, we have to start, as Pastor Craig began to kick off the series last week, with how versed are you in the verses of Scripture? Because we're certain as pastors and people sent to 
serve and equip you for God's version for your life. We're certain that you're not going to be very versed in his version if you're not versed in the scriptures of God. See, oftentimes people think that scripture reading is about doing a checklist or it's obligatory. No, it's about that you can't get versed in God's plan and, and God's version of your life without learning what his version is. How much of the scriptures do you know today? How much of God's version regarding the specific issues that are troubling you today do you know? See, when we talk about God's version for your life, we're not just talking about one aspect of your life. We're talking about God's got a version for everything related to life. Your relationships, your finances, your career, your emotional health, your purpose, your pursuits, your time management. God's got a version for all the issues. And you know what I found in life? The version of things matter. Anybody found that the version of things matter? In fact, Proverbs says that one version seems right until someone comes and examines and tells their version. Boy, is that ever true in our day and age. See, I have found as a late adopter when it comes to technology that if you seek to use a previous version iPhone charger in your new iPhone X, it will not work. Now, to the more seasoned brothers and sisters out there this morning, if you try to put an actual A-track disc into an iTunes playlist, it doesn't work. The version of things matter. Are you with me? Well, it comes in the same way regarding Scripture. The version of Scripture matters, and I'm not talking about the great debate of NLT and NIV and NKJV and KJV and NASB. I'm not speaking hieroglyphics. I'm talking about versions of Scripture. What I'm talking about, the version of Scripture matters, is I'm speaking specifically of Old Testament and New Testament and Jesus' teachings. The version of Scripture matters for you and I today. We're going to see that because, listen, if you put the wrong verse into a current wrong version in an area of your life, you'll just get more wrong showing up. If you put the wrong verses into a wrong aspect of your life, it's still just going to cause more wrong to show up. How many people are sincere and desire to live for God, but they don't understand that the version matters? The version of what you're trying to plug and play into areas of your life matter. Now this brings us to our text, Colossians 1, 24. Let's look at it again. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now, that's a key word, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of this glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect, mature in Christ Jesus. 
to this end, towards this purpose, towards this goal. I also labor striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Notice Paul says, I rejoice in suffering for you. Why? Because he later tells us in another letter to the Corinthians, he says that I embrace the fellowship of death and the sufferings of Christ so that life can be ministered to you. Paul understood that he's suffering according to the will of God. He's suffering according to the plan of God. That is, he's going about fulfilling God's assignment on his life. The suffering is allowing the life of Christ to flow out of him to bring life to communities. And Paul says, I rejoice in this suffering so that the church can have life ministered to them. And he says, I became a minister according to the stewardship of God. Listen, that's what true ministry is. We don't call ourselves to a ministry. We don't assign ourselves to a ministry. That true authority and anointing of God is because he has a ministry for us, for all of us. And Paul says, I'm ministering according to what God has apprehended me for. It was a beautiful what Tony said, that there's one mission and yet we are all so distinctly unique with different burdens and passions of how we go about individually being involved in the one purpose of God and the one mission of God that he has for this local group of believers and seekers and people called Dwelling Place Church. Paul says, what was given to me was to fulfill the word of God. The word fulfill there means bring it to a full. It means to complete it. That's why we don't need other revelation outside of scripture like the Mormons would claim. What God gave Paul completed the logos, the written revealed communication of God and there's nothing else needed in order to understand what he's called you and I to in the day we live in. What God gave Paul completed God's communication regarding his plan and purpose for us as humans on the earth in this day and in this age. He says, now, what was given to me used to be a mystery. It used to be hidden, but now it has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make it known. Oftentimes, we get hung up on what God's will is. Well, let me tell you where God's will starts. He wills for you to know what he's accomplished and what he's revealed through the writings and through scriptures inspired by God but written through the Apostle Paul. And why is this version that Paul received, this revelation Paul received so important? Here's why. Because this version from God that Paul received of how to live now in God, it fulfilled the word of God. The version that Paul received is so important because it completes the revelation and the communication of God. See, these verses do the same for you. Notice what Paul received completed God's Scripture. Listen, these Scriptures can also be used by God to complete what God has prophesied over your life. These verses can reveal to you the way to experience what God has for your life. That these verses can be used by the Spirit of God to cause what God has for you to come to pass, to come to fulfillment, to be brought to the full, to be experienced. 
He says in verse 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to saints. This is why when you go in the Old Testament, there are some things that God has revealed now that you can't find clearly then. Paul references it, or scripture references it, uh, refers to it in Deuteronomy 29, 29. God tells the nation of Israel, he says, I have secret things that's not in the law of Moses and I'm not giving to you. But he gave these secret things to the apostle Paul. That's why the Jews of Paul's day didn't like him. Because he said, listen, God in your law says he has secret things he didn't put in the Old Testament and God has chosen me and given them to me to reveal now to you. They didn't like that. Jealousy is always around the corner. and They didn't like it, but Paul says, listen, it was a mystery, but it's a mystery no longer. But you know what's interesting? I still find that God's new version for life is still a mystery to so many churches and to so many believers. That though it used to be a mystery for generation and generation and generation before, since the beginning of creation, but though it's now revealed, I still find in so many places, in so many hearts, in so many minds, so many marriages, so many relationships, so many lives, it's still a mystery to them. But understand today, it's revealed. You can actually leave this room today with an experiential revelation and knowledge of what God has revealed, what Paul is speaking about in this scripture and in this text we're looking at. He says it's revealed now. The word revealed, it means to make manifest to make it visible, to make it known that what was previously hidden or undisclosed to now make it visible publicly, to make it actual, to make it realized, to make it known by teaching, that it would become manifested, to make known of a person, there's a clue, to expose to view so that something will appear and become known and plainly recognized thoroughly understood to make known who and what a person is. Here's the summary of what this means. To make known so that it may be plainly recognized. That's my prayer for you. That's God's will for you. And we're in agreement with God today that we and all of us today would have this made known to us that it's plainly recognized. And yet... For a lack of knowledge, many of God's people are destroyed. And yet, many of God's people still have the wrong versions of life playing out in areas of life. The wrong version of marriage, the wrong version of financial stewardship, the, the wrong version of core values, and the wrong version of pursuits, and the wrong version of ambitions. So yes, it was hidden from previous ages and maybe in your life like mine, it's been hidden from you like it was for me for 21 years. But it doesn't have to be any longer. It doesn't matter if you're 87 in here today. 
It doesn't matter if you're 47 or 16 or 34. It doesn't have to remain hidden anymore. Look at verse 27. Paul begins to clarify what he's speaking of. He says, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's God's will to make known to you this mystery, which is, listen, Christ in you. Not Jesus way out there sitting at the right hand of the Father. No, the mystery that God wants to make known to you experientially and practically and to cause you to plainly recognize is Christ in you, on the inside of you. This mystery, Christ in you, is the hope of glory. Now, what does this hope of glory mean? Let's simplify it due to a time issue. Simplify glory to understand today, fruitfulness. Listen, Christ in you is your hope to be fruitful. Let's summarize it with this, Christ-likeness. Christ in you is the hope to be like Christ. See, I have found in my conversations with most of you that are members here and attend here regularly, that you have a desire to be like Christ, and I praise God for that. So I've met a lot of people that just sit in a chair or pew year after year that don't have that desire. They need to get born again. <laughs> That's what that means, and get regenerated. But the issue in our conversation and our time of talking is how to experience the fulfillment of that desire. Hope's a powerful thing, but we don't want to just keep you in the hope stage longer than necessary. And here, Paul says, listen, your hope for Christ's likeness is Christ on the inside of you. To simplify, glory also means change of character. How many of you want a change of character, a change of habits? A change of what flows and comes out of you when you don't have to have time to pray and fast and think about it. Christ in you is the hope for a change of character and a change of habits. And listen, glory also speaks to rewards. Christ in you is your only hope, my only hope, our only hope of being rewarded when Jesus returns and sets up the full physical manifestation of his kingdom. Paul continues in verse 28, he says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man. Let's read it so you can understand it in 2018. Him we preach, warning every man and every woman, and teaching every man and every woman in all wisdom that we might present every person perfect, mature in Christ Jesus. 
Paul says that preaching Christ faithfully is to warn every person. To warn them of what? To warn every person, everywhere, of God's way for them to become mature. See, listen. Desire, or you can call it zeal, without wisdom won't get you experiencing maturity or profiting you and growing in maturity. So Paul says that to preach Christ, part of it is to be faithfully warned people who now have the desire to be like Christ because they're regenerated and brought in right standing with God through faith in Christ, what is the way or the ways of wisdom to mature in areas? He says to warn them. Let me help visual learners like myself today. Overlook this excellent writing skills. Known in Hebrew as chicken scratch. Listen, you don't get maturity in Christ without Christ. That's deep stuff. Y'all are thinking, and 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 we support you to serve us. Listen, it's so simple that for thousands and thousands of years, people have stumbled over it. The cross has become a stumbling block, not just to the unbeliever, but to the believer. You right now have came in here with pressing issues that you want to see matured. You want to see character change. You want to see victory. You want to see healing. But listen, you don't get maturity in Christ without Christ. And yet we fall victim time and time again, of trying to grow and to mature in Christ's likeness without depending and looking to Christ. And you cannot, it's impossible, get maturity in Christ without Christ being a part of the process. So if you're trying to mature, looking and depending on anything outside of Christ, then you understand hope is going to stay deferred you're going to find yourself continually to run around the cycle of frustration because you can't get maturity in Christ without Christ. Some of you are in constant cycle of defeat. You find yourself doing consistently the very thing you hate. Like Romans 7, Paul talks about in his experience. What's the same? You're wondering, well, 
How am I going to experience victory? How am I going to experience character change? How am I going to experience a new attitude? Well, listen, you can't get victory in Christ without Christ. When you look to yourself or you look outside of Christ, you can't get victory in Christ. Christ is our victory. Christ is the source and the sufficiency for our maturity. Some of you desire the joy of the Holy Spirit, desire joy of the kingdom, joy in Christ. Some of you are already concerned of coming into the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas where so many people celebrate the the gift of God called family. And yet for you, there's such mixed emotions and feelings because of loved ones that are lost or dysfunction that happens when family gets together. And when all the world buzzes and sees this time, many see it as a joyful time, you have great apprehension of this time. And you think, how can I have joy? in the midst of my life story up to this point. Well, listen, you don't get joy in Christ without Christ. So Paul says, basically, listen, you do not get any version of God's life for you without Christ. He is the only door. He is the only way. He is the only provision for what God's version for you in Christ is. And so Paul says, listen, in all wisdom, in all ways, we're seeking to teach and to warn people on how to take advantage of what is no longer a mystery. And yet the world, the flesh, The devil, your past, seeks to keep you time and time again blinded or distracted from what has clearly been revealed, which is in the area that's pressing in your life. There is no answer for it outside of Christ. That God's version for that area of your life has been revealed, become visible, become plain, will be actualized, in the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to tell some people today to look no further. I want to tell some people today to look not back to the past and not look back to previous ways and previous substances and previous addictions and previous coping mechanisms. I want to tell some people today in Jesus' name to look to Christ. That Christ isn't just the means to have your sins forgiven. He's also the means and the way to have maturity and victory in Christ. I want to tell some people today to not look outside of Christ, but look to Christ for whatever you're facing. Can I hear an amen? He says, in wisdom for the way for glory, the way for victory, the way for fruitfulness, the way for Christ to be revealed in an area of your life. And this is the way to access the riches of Christ 
you don't get the riches of Christ that you have been, that you have inherited, that you have received when you got married to Jesus Christ, when you got joined to Christ. You don't get the riches in Christ without Christ. I have been going through a season. It's been a long season. And I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, so you got to understand many people are wired, not everybody here, but many people are wired to be, for simple terms, go-getters. They have an inward drive. They have a personality that seeks to accomplish and, and to achieve and to get things done. And, you know, people like that, like myself, we, we seek some mountaintop experiences. We seek to hit some goals and accomplish some things. And it's amazing to experience Christ in the mountain experiences. For instance, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he takes them in Matthew 17 up to what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And they have a mountaintop experience. It's a wonderful time in Christ. There's such a satisfaction. There's such a sense of complete completion that they say hey Jesus let us build you some tabernacles and let us stay here but see I'm a church planner by by wiring but I'm not planning a church anymore this church has been planning can I hear an amen come on there's actually sheep here before long I had to make up in my mind and visualize you <laughs> I had to preach to you, though I couldn't see you in our home. And there comes a point for all of us who are like that, that we understand that the riches of Christ are not just found in the mountaintops. The riches of Christ are found in Christ. And I, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the, the story in Kings where there was an enemy country of God's covenant people. And that enemy king sent a letter to, to God's people and to the king. And here's what he said. He said, hey, king of God's covenant people, your children and your wives and all your silver and gold are mine. I want to tell you that that's what the enemy is constantly sending to every one of us in here. That he's sending his voice of intimidation and fear and saying, hey, I want to put you on notice that what you got is mine. I'm coming for it. So the battle happens, and it happens in the hill country, in the mountain country, and the enemy gets absolutely slaughtered. The enemy retreats back in defeat. But then the prophet comes. And the prophet tells the king, he says, now listen, you need to take note and you need to strengthen yourself in this season because the enemy's going to return. Now here's the thing. When we've already experienced victory in Christ through mountaintop experiences, we by default, when we hear the enemy's coming, we say that's okay because we saw Christ in the mountaintops and we're going to experience victory in the mountaintops again. But here's why the prophet, when he tells the king, he makes a little phrase. He says, take note. Why take note? Because this time, the enemy 
goes back and, he, and they all think, wait a minute, their God must be the God just of high experiences. Their God must just be the God of heightened experiences. Their God must just be the God of retreats. Listen to me. Their God must just be the God of great encounters and great power and fun trips and adventure and great goal accomplishment. We got to get them down into the plane. Come on, the anointing right here is here prophetic. We got to get them into the, the normal routines of life. That's where we can defeat them. And here's what God's people understood, began to find out. That God's not just the God of the mountaintop highs and experiences. He's also the God of the plain. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit told me this week. He said, Chad, I'm not just the God of the mountaintop uh, uh, achievements and experiences in your life. I'm also the God of the plain. And you have to understand that even in the plain, the mundane, that there is victory and joy in Christ because I'm not just the God of the great experiences I'm the God of the routine and the mundane and the plain. See, we don't just need to learn how to experience victory in Christ when we gather and when we have great moments. We also got to have the revelation of experiencing Christ in the nine to five. Come on. In the constant use doing of laundry and the constant taking out the trash. That God is a God of the plain. I got to tell then some plain people, you that like stability, you that like everything to be plain and not shaken up, God says the opposite to you. That I need you to understand I'm not just the God of the plane, God of the family ritual, God of the family routine. I'm also the God of the adventure. I'm also the God that will call you to step out of the boat and trust me. My point is, is regardless of how we're wired by personality, God in Jesus is our victory, whether it's in the mountaintops or in the plain. Our victory's not in where we're at or where we're going through. Our victory is in Christ. Let me hear an amen and some Somebody give God praise in this place today. <laughs> Hallelujah. That in the plain, we still can see that that's how victory to defend our family, our silver, our gold, our children from the enemy, from the enemy. And yet it's also in the adventure when God leads you and he asks you to come out of the boat if you like the plain that we find protection and victory for our silver, our gold, our careers, our family, and our children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the Holy Spirit, because he don't just give you one, because Jesus said it comes on the witness of two and three. He said, you remember Jericho? Come on, Casey. He said, you remember Jericho? He said, seven always represents the cycle of completion. Some of you, you're trying to count how long you've been doing the same thing faithfully. That just represents the process. Can you imagine? See, listen, these are soldiers. These are people that like adventure. These are people that sign up for a fight. These are people that want to see some goals and some activity and, and things being shaken up. And yet God's word to them was, no, you shut up, you be quiet, and I need you faithfully every day to get up and faithfully, quietly, without speaking, go around those walls of Jericho. 
I need you to faithfully walk it out without complaining. I need you to faithfully walk it out until the wrong attitudes and the murmuring stops. I need you to be faithful to do what I've asked you to do until the process comes to completion. And see, I'm not just the God of the excitement. I'm the God of silence. I'm not just the God of running after God. I'm, I'm the God of walking with me who is God. And I need you to walk it out faithfully. Come on. I need you to wash dishes until you learn to wash dishes in me. I need you to do laundry until you learn to do laundry with my attitude. I need you to take out the trash until you take out the trash with joy in me. Then I'll let you shout. Then I'll let walls come down. Then I'll let some new manifestations of my power and my anointing come in your life. But I need you in the cycle of walking it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just thank you. Just give him praise. Paul says, to this end I labor. Hallelujah. Striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Listen. It's his working. Paul says it's in me. It's his working. Paul says it's in me. Paul says I labor, but he works. I sit down and write, but he works. I write out the bills, but he works. I do the laundry, but he works. I discipline again, but he works. Listen, this is the tension of Christ in me. Listen, there's always Christ. There's always me. There's Christ, but there's still me. I know for some of you that things have been clogged, that old debris have sought to clog it, but what do you do when you have a well and it gets clogged? You dig it again. Listen, you don't look for a new well. You don't look for a new relationship. You don't look for a new job. What you do, you don't look for a new church and a new place. You dig again. Come on, you dig the same well again. Paul says, I labor, I dig, I strive for what will work for me again. Christ worked for you in the issue in the past. And he'll work again in this issue of your life. But you got to dig again for what worked before for Christ. The will of salvation. I want to leave you with these four important truths regarding the issue of my life but his version. Number one, you are in Christ so that Christ can be in you. Paul said this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory you got to understand everything God did to bring you in right standing with God through faith in Christ 
is so that Christ can bring into you what is right according to God's version for you. Listen to me. The reason God forgave you and made you righteous in right relationship with Him and made you His child is so that Christ can get on the inside of you and make right His version for you in every area. Listen, Christ didn't come just for one day in the sweet by and by you go to heaven. What God did is so Christ can be in you. Can be in you. You are set apart for God so that Christ can set apart in you the old version from God's new version for you. You're sanctified in spirit so that now the sanctifier can be in you to sanctify your soul and body and your conduct. Simply put, all God did in taking care of your previous version of life was in order for Christ to be able and live the new version in you. Listen to me. How many of you, when you leave here today, if you go out to eat, how many of you just go in a restaurant to sit? Just go in and waiter comes up. Can I help you? Oh, I'm just here to sit. Okay, I'll be right back. Waiter comes back because this is a good waiter patient. Like, you know, maybe they need a... What can I do to help? Oh, I'm just here to sit. No, no, you don't go in a restaurant just to sit, but why do people think they just come in the gathering or come in the church or God's people just to sit? No, 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 listen. You go in a restaurant so that the provision of food of the restaurant can get in you. You're in God's family. You're in God's house so that what's in the house can get in you. That's why you're in Christ so Christ can be in you. Number two, the hope's not of you, but He is in you. Listen, the hope for what you're facing, it's not found in your own intellect. The hope of what you're facing is not found in your own ability. The hope of what you're facing is not found in your own willpower. The hope of what you're facing is not found in your own goodness, in your own achievement, in your own strength. But the hope for what you are facing is in you. And he's got a name. His name is Jesus Christ, the conquering king that has overcome everything that you and I could ever face. And he lives in us because he's the hope for what we face. The hope for a different tomorrow, the hope for a different future, listen, it's Christ. And Christ is in you. When we get this confused, all kinds of negative fruit, self-pity, depression, sorrow, misdirected anger, zeal without knowledge, seeking change through willpower is the result because we forget that the hope for change is not of you, but He is in you. You know, I'm a cereal eater. I've backed down a little bit here lately, but who knows, it'll probably get revved up again. But you know, I, I don't get cereal just for the box. My hope is not just in the box. My hope is found for what's inside the box. Like, I, we don't purchase it just because we're hoping the box will get it done. 
will fill my hunger. If you call it hunger, the snack hunger, <laughs> the late night hunger. No, no, it's what's inside the box. It's what my hope's in. Listen to me. You're like the box. Quit putting hope in you. Put hope in Christ who's inside your life, inside your body, inside your box. Number three, God's will flows through us, but it's not of us. God's will flows through us, but it's not of us. Listen, God's will doesn't originate from us. That's why there's not a pressure or burden on us to find it. The burden on us is to focus on Christ in God because God's will flows through us. It doesn't originate from us. We don't have to come up with it. It's not sourced by us, but it does flow through us. Caleb uh, had a little experiment and it caught my attention. It's, if you can see in the bank, there's a little bean right here. That's you. You're just like a little bean. The hope wasn't in this part of the bean, though. The hope was what's inside the bean. Look at the life that came out. Look at the growth that came out. Why? Because there was life inside the bean. It's the same with you. God's will doesn't come from you, little bean. It comes from Christ, who is the will of God on the inside of you. It's not flowing from us, but it does flow through us. If you let it flow, life, growth will be the result. Lastly, number four, the perfect is inside, not outside of Christ. Listen, I am where I am in Christ today because of Christ. Like Paul, I have no source in myself to boast. Paul says, I was crucified to the world and the world to me. My boasting is only in what Christ has accomplished in and through me. Listen, I have matured in areas of God's version for life. Listen, only because of Christ. You know what that means? Where I'm not mature in Christ today is because of me. <laughs> it's not because of Him. Where I've not matured in areas of God's version for life is because of me. What happens? Because I forget the gospel at times. I forget the gospel and I seek maturity. That's perfection. I seek growth. I seek accomplishment. I seek victory in and of themselves. But there's not maturity and victory without seeking Christ. Who is that victory? Who is that maturity? I forget the teaching. I forget the warning that Paul talks about here. I forget the cross. I forget that Christ was crucified, not just to get me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, but Christ was crucified so that he could get out of his body and get into mine and your body. And he could release his life-giving spirit. Oftentimes, I don't mature because I have false hope. I add stuff in. I think maturity is in my Bible reading. But that's false hope. Because my, my maturity is in Christ. 
how Christ can meet me through my Bible reading. But what your heart is set on determines what you're trusting in. And you can trust in godly good things, but not the God who works through the godly good things. And you can have false hope. You understand there's people that come and they're here and they're a part of a godly thing gathering together. But if your trust is just in the gathering but not in the Christ who works through the gathering, then you have false hope. I have faulty trust at times in my own goodness. I think that my own goodness can bring about the perfect, the mature. But I forget Genesis, the tree of the good and evil still brought death still brought sorrow still brought difficulty or maybe you like me at times view life normally as so many parts or so many parts to life therefore we think of it as like a buffet mentality meaning whenever I have a new issue I start seeking out a new answer but listen there's only one well there's only one fountain There's only one sustainer. There's only one author of faith. There's only one Lord. There's only one hope. And it's Jesus Christ who is in you. So actually, the whole buffet table that God sets before us in the presence of our enemies, it's actually all Christ. Listen, if we use the food example, Christ is in and works through the mashed potatoes. Christ is in and works through the cornbread. I must have been hungry when I wrote this sermon. Christ is in and works through collard greens. Christ is in and works through the salad. Christ is in and works through the bean greens. Listen, Christ is in and works through the scripture reading. Christ is in the fellowship and works through the fellowship with other maturing believers. Christ is in and works through the times of prayer. Christ is in and works through the grouping. Christ is in and works through the serving. Christ is in and works through the using of spiritual gifts. Christ is in and works through the surrender. Christ is in and works through the mentoring. Christ is in and works through the godly counsel. Christ is in and works through diversity. But the substance is always Christ. Though it might be many ways of wisdom how God has chosen for you to encounter Christ in this season. Come on, you're in Christ so that Christ can be in you. The hope's not of you, but He's in you. God's will flows through us, but it is not of us. And the perfect is inside, not not outside of Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.